Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee, which is very deep foam. <laughs> mm, uh. Today is Thursday, March 19th, day MT7 of social isolation. <laughs> uh, I think it's wearing on me more than I thought. My life isn't all that different, but a number of things have contributed to feeling restless. Um, this has happened to hit right when I would be feeling spring fever and restlessness to get out anyway. So it's, um, and our weather has not been great. We did get a lot of rain yesterday, so rain is good. And um, supposed to be pretty rainy and snowy all day today. So, but then I might try to get out in the sunshine a bit more. And then also pollen season has hit. So my allergies are going crazy. It's supposed to be marginally better today. We're at like 8.8, um, .8, but then back up to 10.6 tomorrow. So this is always a difficult time of year for me when the pollen first hits this um, juniper and elm blossom is always uh, pretty overwhelming. One of my friends said, well, isn't one of the trade-offs of living in the desert that you don't have to deal with allergies? <coughs> I was like, um, no, no, there are many great benefits to living in the desert, but not having plants <laughs> is not how it works. The desert is engineered to, um, when it does bloom, it blooms very over the top to compensate for the rest of the year. So... Yeah, well, be nice to um, just get through the next week or so. Fortunately, the book is going well. Um, oh, I, sh I should back up and, and complain about my other thing. Well, I can tell you about the Promise Queen is still going well. I've passed 78,000 words. Um, I'm kind of closing in on the big climax. That probably is contributing to my mood as well because my characters are... Um, in a terrible place. They are very upset, and so am I. <laughs> Things are not going well for our heroes. Um, right now it's of their own uh, their own production, too, their own fault, uh, which is the way of stories. But I think they're going to get it sorted, but then they will have to face the uh, the big bad. So, yeah, I'm still going pretty well at 3,000 words a day. Been walking on the treadmill in the bedroom, which is not as ergonomically good. And I think that's, I really, I wish it didn't bother me so much to be not in my routine, but it really does. I, I would much rather be in my office writing. Uh, the good news is, is that I finally got through to the lifespan people. Um, I had to call back to sales to, I think, like the one guy who's manning the desk in sales. I'd left him a voicemail. I'd called early Tuesday morning. I think I mentioned that on the Tuesday podcast. <clears throat> called him first thing in the morning, and he didn't answer, you know, because they said, oh, well, their lines were open at 9 a.m. Eastern, which was 7 a.m. here. And I thought, well, you know, maybe 
Since he's the only guy there, he doesn't come to work till like 8 or 9 mountain time. So I left him a voicemail. Rant. You know, had his name on his voicemail. Voice sounded the same as the guy I talked to Monday. He doesn't call me back, even though I asked him to. So then later in the day, I tried calling him again. And this time he picked up. And I said, hi, you know, I think I talked to you yesterday morning. I didn't say anything about the voicemail. I said, you know, from Santa Fe, etc. And he's like, no, I don't think so. And so I said, okay, must have been someone else, sounded like you. So I go through and explain the problem again. And he says, oh, he said, I think I did talk to you yesterday. <laughs> okay. And then I left you a voicemail. <laughs> so... He uses the internal messaging to message Bob, the one guy in the service department right now, and he says that he'll have Bob call me back. And I said, okay. So Bob did call me. Yay. And, uh, but Bob doesn't think it's my motor. I'm just, I think it's my motor, you guys. Bob thinks it's the belt. Um, so Bob is sending me a new belt, but fortunately, Helping Hand will send a tech. He said it would take a few days. So when I have the tech here, maybe he can help me with and get it all sorted out. I went ahead and ordered a new belt for the treadmill in the bedroom, too, because that one was starting to get kind of um, smooth. It's getting a little slick to walk on. So I thought, well, since I had someone here, see if I can get him to put it on for me, or at least I can watch on the other one and see if he um, learn how to do it, you know. So, so I'm feeling disrupted in my routine. And of course, David hasn't been out driving. So that probably is, you know, it's a ends up being a lot of togetherness. Fortunately, we have a good size house and we're able to get outside and do some things here and there. And I think some people who live in much smaller dwellings are really kind of feeling hemmed in. Um one of my friends who lives by herself but has a little cottage, she's created a kind of a little work area on her front porch so she can at least be in a different place part of the day. I think about Agent Sarah who has her one-room studio. At least she has her great big window and her view. But I I shouldn't complain. I guess that's part of You'll where this kind of thing gets difficult because you figure so many people are so much more worse off than you are. Um, you know, I can I can stay home, so I do. You know, a lot of people are having to get out there, and this is all by choice. Although um, Santa F- or the governor, New Mexico governor, declared all the restaurants and bars closed as of today, only for takeout or home delivery. I guess that wasn't a surprise, but um, Wine and Spines, the gal who's the bookstagrammer here working on the film that I decided not to meet last Thursday, which now I kind of regret. I should have just gone and met her last Thursday. Um, Her production, sorry, big mouthful of foam there. Her production is closing up and they're going home uh, because she said they would have kept going because they're a small team but the lead actor had to try to get home before the borders close. Such an interesting world. 
So I'm going to, she and I decided, well, we'd just meet at Harry's tonight and sit a good distance from each other and split a bottle of wine. But now we can't do that because all the restaurants and bars are closed. So I'm just going to go to the place where she's staying. She's been in a Airbnb and I'll just go there and uh, have a glass of wine with her and chat a little bit and sign her books. So that'll be nice. I think I get into this mindset where I, I can't go out and see anybody at all. And that's really not, not the intention of where we're at. We're not having to shelter in place like some places. One of the things I've been working on with the book, <laughs> it's funny because I have a pretty good flow, you know, getting the 3,000 words a day, I'm really laying down the words and advancing the plot, and I will have to go back in and layer in a few details here and there. But I thought it was funny, um, Leslie Penelope on her podcast last week, <clears throat> I haven't listened to hers this week, I should. Um, last week she was talking about uh, one of the things she was doing on editing was she realized that she had forgotten one of the characters had a dog and she had to go back in and <laughs> put the dog in there. So she had left herself a note, what happened to the dog? Um, and I've been doing that too with the promised queen. Um, there is a dog. There's a dog. It, it appears in the fiery crown. So for those of you who've already read Orchid Throne and you're going, wait, what dog? There's a dog that appears in Fiery Crown. That's pretty important. But I'm having to, as I have all of my scenes with my characters, and I have kind of a large team of characters too, which makes it interesting. You know, you kind of have to make sure that nobody's just sort of sitting there quietly. So I'm having to go back and remember to account for the dog. <laughs> And it's funny because when I was solely a reader, I used to wonder, it used to kind of bother me, actually, that so many people did not have household pets, that nobody had cats or dogs, you know, like in contemporaries even and stuff. I, you know, it'd be like almost everyone I knew had some kind of pet. It was unusual. It's unusual to know somebody who has zero pets at all. Uh, it's a real human thing that we love to have our animal companions. So I would always wonder, you know, why does nobody have a pet? And I've realized since that it's because for writers, it's really hard to account for people having pets. It's just a detail that requires tracking that I think a lot of authors just don't want to attempt to do. Besides which, if you have pets, you know, they have to be taken care of, right? And it's kind of boring to have your characters be like, oh, no, I can't chase after that bad guy because I've got to go home and let the dog out or he'll crap all over my rugs. <laughs> got to go home and feed the cats. Uh, it used to um, bother me intensely in... Uh, Shauna McGuire's October Day series, that October would be out, you know, gone for for weeks, you know, in like time-warped paths through fairyland and all this kind of thing, and her cats would be home in the apartment, 
and she would only occasionally, you know, she would kept trying to mention the cats and account for the cats. But, you know, there were clearly huge lapses where the cats were not being taken care of. And I would worry. I would worry about the cats. And I think I wasn't the only one because I think other people must have said something to her because in later books, she, like, came up with this um, magical neighbor, <laughs> semi-magical neighbor who just knew, like, if Toby was gone for, if she hadn't seen Toby for a day, she'd go over and feed the cats. <laughs> I think Sean put that in there just to shut us all up. You know, it's like, okay, I have a magical neighbor who will go feed the cats. But, you know, if you have pets, I think maybe that's part of it is that we all have this kind of, um, I always think of them as like little calendar reminders in my brain. You know, like you have this little place in your brain that pings every once in a while and it's like, have the cats been fed? Are the cats okay? And, you know, do they have water? Is their litter box clean? And, you know, where you sort of, I don't know, I feel like we need a better word than worry because it's not really worry, but it's sort of like this, this ping where you check in, you know, are the cats okay? Are the cats okay? Does the dog need to be let out? And when you're reading a book, that part of your brain gets engaged and it starts pinging. You know, it's like, but what about the dog? Have the cats been fed? <laughs> so it's funny as you're writing, you're so focused on the characters and building the story and there's all these threads that you're weaving together. And then you realize that there's this thread that you dropped way back when where... <laughs> What about the dog? So it's a it's a good metaphor for keeping track of things in a story. And um, but that is also why you take time to to um, well to polish and to layer things in. And when I talk about layering, that's mainly what I mean. Like <clears throat> one example is is in this story, I've got something that happens at this point in the book. And I'm closing in on the Act 2 climax. I'm a chapter or two away from the Act 2 climax. And I want there to be a threat of Leah being able to do something and having her decide not to do it. But I've realized that with this being book three, um, she's I've shown her doing this in earlier books. and But I haven't in this book. And so that's something that you have to think about is for someone reading this book, not just for, you know, we always talk about what if somebody new picks up the book. And this isn't exactly that. It's not just if somebody new picks up the book. It's what if, you know, your reader, it has been a year for them. You know, not everybody uh, does the series reread before they pick up the sequel. Though a lot of you do. I think it's grand and fabulous how many people are doing a full series reread of the 12 kingdoms and the uncharted realms before reading the fate of the Tala and checking in with me and talking to me about it. That's been fantastic. So I realized that in this book, that in order to make this threat tangible, to make the reader be really aware that this is a possibility, I need to show Leah doing it earlier on the book. So it won't be a huge thing, but I need to find a place. And fortunately, this, um, <laughs> I'm setting down my coffee cup so I can gesture so all of you can picture my hands. <laughs> That's so silly, isn't it? Um, 
the, it helps. Fortunately, this completely dovetails. And here I am making the dovetail with my hands uh, with something else I need to layer in that I want to have in order to create the um, intensify the sense of peril. So I can add in a moment where there's peril and Leo responds with this ability. And so you see her doing it. So that much later in the book, when she chooses not to do it, then you'll feel it. So those are the kinds of things that you go back and layer in. We talk a whole lot about um, like the seed and the payoff or the hook and then, you know, button holding the hook at the end, which I think is a mixed metaphor, but maybe not for historical clothing. Um, you know, like um, there's the famous quote I can't even think of who said it right now that says, um, you know, like if you show me a gun in act one, then it, someone better use it to shoot someone in act three. Some of that has to do with if you throw in details, you don't want them to be just whatever. And, and I'm going to caveat that because sometimes detail just adds to the granularity. It adds to the feeling of believability. So you can have some details like, you know, like, putting on face cream or um, I don't know the way that the, the wind smells coming through the window. Those, those add to the, the granularity to the sense of realness of the story and you don't necessarily need to pay them off, but there are some details that it can be very satisfying to have the payoff. And so sometimes for those of us who do not pre-plot the pantsers, the beautiful pantsers of the world. If you find something towards the end that's really wonderful, you know, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is a great moment, you know, this is a big triumph, then one thing you can do to increase the, the satisfaction of that payoff is you can go back and seed it earlier. You can layer that into an earlier scene, you know, where people would be something like, you know, you know, if only we'd be able to do this thing. And then later in the book, when they are able to do the thing, the reader has that great experience of being like, oh, yeah, awesome. So that's what I mean by layering. <laughs> I um, have misplaced one of the spinners in my milk frother, speaking of disruptions to my daily routine. And I had to use the foam-producing one today instead of the regular one. And it um, doth produce foam indeed. <laughs> sort of like a, I could eat this with a spoon. It's really kind of delicious, actually. It's like um, coffee-flavored ice cream without all of the weight. Ah, and here comes the sun through the clouds. Yay! So I hope that you are all holding out, um, coming to a close on the first week of official national uh, social distancing. I guess we're really counting from the 16th. We're going for two weeks since the 16th. So another full week after this to get through March and then a couple of days, and then we'll see where we stand. So then maybe we can... Um, I'll start getting out and 
hopefully this will have worked to make it so that we're not in such grave peril. So you all take care wherever you are. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Uh, First Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network. And you can find other podcasts there that you would likely love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye.